Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. JB <laughs> How's it going? Oh, it's going. You know, uh, I definitely expected to spend this spring in, uh, you know, pandemic quarantine. Your home is relatively full of light and plants. I've been there. It is true. I have a lot of plants, so that is a nice thing. Yeah, it could be worse. <laughs> it, it could be worse. Yeah, so, I mean, I am bummed. You know, we don't live that far from one another, and we have been planning this podcast for a long time, and I really wish that I could hop on my bike and go sit in your plant-filled house to record this, but uh, unfortunately, the socially responsible thing to do is for us to do it remotely, but we're we're doing it. Yep, we're doing it. We're making it happen. Yeah. I wish wish there was, like, a version of this world where, you know, we were just both in like isolation suits with like <laughs> with like a gas mask on which is like kind of like how I enjoy hanging out anyway but that is true about you <laughs> I mean I suppose if we were really ambitious we could have come up with like quarantine regulation approved and fetishy way to hang out in the same space. Um, but unfortunately, I can't make it to, you know, the fetish supply store or the hardware store at the moment. So did you hear that there is a medical fetish site that donated all of their supplies that could actually be used in hospitals to hospitals? I absolutely did hear about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised that yeah. that came through your feet as well. Maybe I even <laughs> yeah, saw Yeah, it's like MedKink UK or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bless them. When we're all out of this, um, please support the most ethical medical kink supply stores out there. I think that we've separated the assholes from the uh, the true kink heroes, the true fetish heroes. Truly. I was going to set up my fire escape. And then I was told that my incredibly loud voice reverberating into the homes of our neighbors talking about Nazi porn would maybe not be the most (laughs) considerate thing to do during quarantine. So I... (laughs) Consent. 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 Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting by... I like pulled my chair over to the window so I can see the sky. Um, So that's nice. And it's a very sunny day. Yeah, it it looks like it's nice out. No, this this morning, my boyfriend was like, are you a little worried that that this research is going to fuck with your algorithm? And I was like, (laughs) No, the fact that my last like six searches are like all related to Nazi porn definitely won't fuck with my algorithm. (laughs) Well, before we get into the Nazi porn, let me read your bio so that <laughs> folks know who you are. <laughs> J.B. Brager is a writer and cartoonist living in Brooklyn, New York. Lenape Hoking, which to clarify, can you can you tell the people what Lenape Hoking means? Yeah, so Lenape Hoking literally just means Lenape land. So um, the Lenape are the indigenous people whose land uh, we are guests on. And so just con- consistently naming the indigenous land that um that we're living on um is an important way of of recognizing whose land we're on and and thinking about the responsibility that we have to those people 100 percent, i cannot believe it but you are the first person ever on this podcast to acknowledge that so i am glad that you did so jb is a founding editor of pinko magazine great name for a magazine can you tell people what pinko is 
Yeah, Pinko is a gay communist magazine. Um, our tagline is communism that fucks. We are working to think about a future, a political future, through the lens of, of communism and queer identity, thinking about what it means to live beyond, you know, the family and the state and hopefully come up with a, a better future by looking at the past. Hell yeah, I'm all about it. And JB is also the founding host of the Blue Stockings, shout out to Blue Stockings, the Blue Stockings bookstore comics reading series in the gutter, which was supposed to be... Last week. Yeah. Last, last week. week. Yeah. yeah, I definitely have spent the past couple of weeks sort of in denial every week about like, maybe this event that I'm doing is still gonna, no, yeah. it's not. I know, because um, you're supposed to be one of our readers of this past. I know. <laughs> I know. Maybe we should do it online. Yes. Yeah. So myself and Joan Dark, who is the other um, founding host. Uh, and Shout also, out to Joan. Yeah. Amazing comics person and Blue Stockings Collective member. Um, we've been talking about putting together a online version of In the Gutter. So uh, stay tuned. It's in the works. Um, so they hold a PhD in women and gender studies from Rutgers University, New Brunswick. They are on all social media as well as Patreon at J-B-B-R-A-G-E-R. What's up, JB? Hey, that's my name. It's how you can pay me. <laughs> it's my name and it's how you can pay me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, listen, guys, I am sure that everyone that can hear the sound of my voice is very used to uh at this point people being like support artists however you can that is like a tune you hear on this show a lot and it is a tune that has become a cacophonous wall of sound in this <laughs> wild world uh but you know if i may take a moment to endorse a patreon i would like to endorse jb's their comics are really amazing and one of a kind and uh you know their their politics are in the right place and they're just like a a babe to watch so <laughs> this is this is my endorsement two of the things that i hate about patreon one is that they hide adult content so they're like yes they do super they're like you know kind of early adopters of of a the kind of like fosta sesti uh worldview um and then also 100 yeah they they insist that they're like not a discovery platform so there's like no way to promote your patreon within the patreon structure you have to direct people to it from outside of the of the structure. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, if people want to just send me money other ways, that's also fine. <laughs> and, and if they wanted to do that, they should get in touch with you on social media? Yeah, social media. I'm all over it. You have to request me on Twitter because my Twitter has been getting trolled for months. So, but... And who's, who's trolling you? Oh, well, um, I would say it's a combination always of, like, white supremacist neo-Nazis and right-wing zionist fascists <laughs> what a what a what a charming coalition yeah one of the great things about being you know a uh, leftist anti-zionist jew is that uh, all kinds of right-wing people hate you <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a good place to be to you be know, hated the... to be hated by the hateful right i'm in the best company so Absolutely. And what what is the most Jewish quarantine snack that you have had so far? You know the you know the answer. To that. Yeah, we were talking about this on Twitter. Yeah, I I totally left my house in like full quarantine gear, gloves, mask, like you know, hand sanitizer, in order to go to Shelsky's to pick up a loaf of gefilte fish. Yeah, yeah, I definitely as I as I tweeted, I I looked down and um we got canned tuna and then I was making tuna salad and I realized that we had leftover beet horseradish from Hanukkah and so I made this like delightful pink speaking of pinko, very gay, bright pink tuna salad and then I was like busting out the pickles. 
we know how to preserve food. Oh my god, that sounds so good. I'm like honestly like planning. Ha- I'm like I have horseradish. I have the single can of tuna fish that's like lived in my pantry for like two years. You gotta um, have it as backup. That's why it's there. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna make a tuna melt later. Yum! Oh, delicious. All right. So, <laughs> what we are going to talk about today is I suppose I probably should have given a content warning before saying the words Nazi porn, but mm. uh, I don't know. You, I like, feel like Nazi um, porn is the content warning. <laughs> That's the soft total- content warning. Now here comes the hard content warning. <laughs> Exactly, 100%. So just to let people know, our topic today is why are people into fascism? Now, I think that if you've listened to this show before, you know that we are prepared to go to very dark places. I actually have noticed that the show has been very dark in the past year. (laughs) I can't imagine why. Sign of the times. Sign of the times. 100%. You know, I like to think that we bring some levity to the darkness and that that's sort of the that's sort of the mo around here that's sort of the brand very important i think to let people know we are going to talk about nazi imagery your phd is in 20th century fascism my phd is it's interdisciplinary and i i cross like a lot of topics and a lot of time periods basically i am kind of swirling around 20th century colonialism and fascism and thinking about how Nazism is deeply informed by earlier histories of German colonialism, particularly in Africa, and how that colonial history informs not only the Nazi period, but also shapes the way that we remember Nazism today by the fact that we don't think about this colonial period. So like, what does it mean to reintroduce the memory, for example, of the Herero and Nama genocides into our understanding of the Holocaust? God, I fucking love you. So important. So amazing. So glad that you're doing that work. Uh, And so glad we're going to talk about what all of this has to do with sex. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's the extent of the content warning. I mean, part of the reason that I wanted to establish right up front the like loaf of gefilte fish of it all is that I think it's very important for people to understand that we are two queer American Jews talking about all of these topics, like just for context for mm-hmm. people. Yeah. And just in case anyone is confused, I don't even fucking know. Like, is it important to say that we're not endorsing any of like like when we talk about the like sexuality of all of these dark things, it like is it absurd to even acknowledge that we are not endorsing these views but part of what we're going to talk about is how complicated it is when like this sort of irony of fascist fashion and and punk and everything like that so i guess it is important to be like really 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 fucking clear that we want to punch nazis in the face right is that is like our stance right all of this yeah and i I mean i think one of the things that is so interesting about this is that you know we're we're saying you know we do not endorse fascism or nazism in fact we both are would probably would, I probably we both identify strongly as anti-fascist what you, it is safe to say safe to it say it is safe to say but at the same time the question is like what what does our desire endorse and how is our desire shaped and why are there so many ties between kink and the sexual interests that so many people have and these histories of fascism, and why does it seem like our entire society has this deep burning attraction to fascism that exceeds Nazism, right? And so, so I think it's like, yeah, we don't endorse Nazism, and I'm sure no one listening to this podcast endorses Nazism, but at the same time, like, what weird tricks are being played on us by our less conscious desires? God, thank you for articulating that so well. And I I think that the question of what does our desire endorse is a really, really fascinating one that I know that we're going to get into. I think that kind of like the precipitating event of wanting to do a Why Are People Into Fascism podcast actually came through my participation in another podcast, the podcast Girls Guts and Giallo, which you've also been, been a guest on. 
hosted by everybody's favorite leather lesbian vampire. Yes. Yeah, so everyone's favorite lesbian vampire mommy, Andy Rose, and I um, <laughs> talked about a, a film called Salo, which was made in 1975, this Italian film that is about Italian fascists who kidnap and torture to death a bunch of teenagers. And it's set during World War II. One of your observations from that podcast that I found really compelling and really important was that it is actually sort of miscategorized as a kink film. Like there's actually no BDSM in the film. Like perhaps the context of the film is that this is a fantasy that might have material in it that we might find erotic, which you also talked about and I would love Mm -hmm. to talk about. There's no context of consent around the non-consensual activities in this ultimate torture porn film. It is just a depiction of torture. I mean, it's a fictionalized depiction of torture. It is not a documentary. Right. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely, I mean, it is, it's torture porn. Like, it's not kink porn. Like, it's not BDSM porn. Totally. There's a lot of sexual torture. Yeah. You will find it on lists of top five most notorious kink films of all time, right? But like, I think that your distinction that it is not a film about kink is a really important one. Right. Well, and I mean, it's really fascinating. You know, one of the things that we, we started to talk about in that podcast, but I've been really thinking about more is like that Salo is part of this moment in the 1970s where uh, particularly like Italy in that moment invents the they're called sex and swastika movies or like Nazi exploitation <laughs> films. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, and and so, you know, the the late 60s to the late 80s in Italy is like this period of extreme unrest where there's like these intense violent battles happening between the Italian left and neo-fascists and like Italy dips like heavily into fascism during this time like it's it's actually like a real moment of conflict where like Italy's like headed back into fascist territory and all of these films are coming out in the mid to late 70s like two of the ones that I watched to do research for our conversation are Nazi Love Camp 27 and SS Experiment Love Camp um (laughs) there's (laughs) There's also a film called Salon Kitty, which is, I think, maybe a little bit more well-known because um, it's a little bit more artful, um, like mm. Na- Nazi Love Camp and SS Experiment Love Camp. And like there's one called like a Gestapo, The Last Gestapo Orgy or something like that. Um, they're all like total schlock. And then like Salon Kitty is like more, uh, which is a 1976 film is like a little more highbrow and then the highest brow of all of these would be Night Porter which came out right. in 1974 directed by Liliana Cavani interestingly the only woman director I think in in this crew that's starring the British actress Charlotte Rampling she's still very well known she's a very you know quote-unquote classy British actress yeah so yeah for, for her to be associated with this very notorious i would say that night porter is a bdsm film right right and so that's what i was saying gonna say is that so night porter is also on these lists with solo and night Mm -hmm. porter is really fascinating because you have the the movement from a deeply non-consensual or coerced bdsm relationship in the context of you know it's a, a relationship between a Jewish woman who is a prisoner in a concentration camp and an SS officer and their relationship, like she's his little girl, like they they have a daddy girl relationship. I would argue one cannot consent when one is a prisoner in a death camp. And, I would agree. I <laughs> and, would agree with you. But then when after the war, they by chance meet again and embark on a consensual BDSM relationship and this movie you know has been decried as criminally (laughs) bad Um, and also you know held up as like a 
beautiful art house exploration of trauma and sexuality. It has it has a very iconic scene that is a flashback to the Charlotte Rampling character being forced to perform a dance for SS officers and she is wearing a sexy version of a Nazi uniform and doing a little sort of like Weimar style dance and you have probably seen this image of her wearing like pants and suspenders and like she's like pressing her tits together with rubber gloves right and like the, the hat that we like that does not look that different from what we associate with like a daddy cap now. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, she looks real hot. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, and she's singing a Marlena Dietrich song and the, the scene is like incredibly reminiscent of a film that came out two years earlier, which is cabaret. Right. And so there's this, this, like really it is a cabaret scene you know they're someone's playing like the accordion people are wearing weird costumes all of the other coerced sex workers are like you know heavily made up in the style of like Liza Minnelli and cabaret but they're in a like creepy tile room at a concentration camp and at the end of the scene as like it you know the ss officer is like overcome with emotion because she's so beautiful and sexy and he presents her as a reward with the severed head of another prisoner (sighs) yeah (laughs) who no one liked but nevertheless (laughs) Um, but yeah so so even if you haven't seen this scene you've seen this scene because everyone has taken this moment as like a iconic fashion moment so like madonna has has done this scene marilyn manson lady gaga the number of fashion designers who have taken this scene as inspiration like gareth Pugh has done it you know like it it's really intense like the way that you mentioned that like you know the leather daddy cap that we associate mm. with kink and leather and from from kink and leather you know it comes out of motorcycle culture but in motorcycle culture it comes from military culture totally. you know and military culture those you know those peach officers caps are pretty much the same in the u.s military and the German Nazi military. <laughs> so it's like the the fashion, you know, is is fascist fashion that comes from from the military and the police and then becomes sexualized explicitly in kink fashion. I went to see the last Indiana Jones movie. I think it's called The Crystal Skull, something about a crystal skull. I was like maybe two or three years into being a dominatrix and like getting involved in kink culture and everything about me that was attracted to BDSM had to do with the psychology of it and the sort of like conceptual parts of it. Like I'm not somebody that was attracted to the aesthetics per se. So I sort of had to like retcon my taste in leather and fetish gear just to be like, well, this is the shit that I have to wear to a party to like get what I want. Or like, this is the shit that I have to wear uh, professionally. I have to like learn what I like within this. Whereas it's totally great that a lot of people come to it through the fashion. I think that that's wonderful. But like, so I was very unfamiliar with that iconography and what I liked and what I found hot about it. And so then I I, I, I go to see this Indiana Jones movie uh, at the Castro Theater in San Francisco and Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. comes on screen. I knew this was coming. <laughs> These rubber boots, what I think of as like opera length rubber rubber gloves and just has this very like, li- you know, strident and strict militaristic powerful thing going on and I was like oh I get it like mm-hmm. I get what like I get where this comes from this it was kind of like the first time that I had thought that that was hot in a movie she's literally playing a Nazi it's not yeah, even well, like she's she's playing a Soviet 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, she's a Soviet secret agent. And I oh, mean, th- it's- wow, thank you so much for schooling me. Yeah, no, it's like, her name is Irina Spalko. I'm I'm a huge nerd. Oh my god. But yeah, it's I mean, it's fascinating because that character, it, she's really like they didn't try to make her uniform i mean it it is a rushing uniform but she also kind of looks like a confederate general but she's wearing you know she's she's got this like military collar there's like brass buttons she has a sword for some reason like a <laughs> why not uh, and she's wearing like jodhpurs which i love yes you know? the jodhpurs yeah and oh, then yes. just like the shiniest gloves and the shiniest boots and the shiniest black bob and you know like a big gun and it's Kate Blanchett. I mean, have you seen her hands? Like, she has the biggest hands. Yes, I think that all queer people are familiar with <laughs> Kate Blanchett hand culture. It's like literally, and it's from Carol, right? It's like because Rooney Mara and Carol has these tiny little hands and Kate Blanchett yeah. has these giant hands. And you're just like, oh, her hands, yes. could they yes. be bigger? So, so, so like 10, 10 years before we, you know, people really became aware of Kate Blanchett's mommy hands in peril. Um, she had, uh, so, thank you for correcting me, uh, Soviet, still uh, evil. fascist. Yeah, definitely still evil. evil. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was able to find fascist aesthetics sexy because of being involved in kink culture. Whereas mm-hmm. before, I don't think that the shiny boots would have done it for me and that's warped i guess is what i'm saying ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Well, let's keep coming back to it this idea of like what our desire endorses, right? Where is the line between? being attracted to the symbolism inherent in those aesthetics and then endorsing the ideology that those aesthetics also symbolize. Right. Well, I I mean, I think it's really helpful to kind of backtrack to talk a little bit about fascism and then yeah, let's do it and then get back into the heavy threading of fascism within kink and then what it means to be far left kink practitioners and engage with this kind of like aesthetic tradition i think totally like a lot of people identify fascism pretty exclusively with nazis true you know uh, nazis certainly were fascists Fascism. Fascism. R. Unfortunately, I think we have to say R. Yes, R. Yes, Nazis are fascists, but not all fascists are Nazis. See, see Mm. what I did there. Um, I do. I do. Very impressive. So fascism, like as as an ideology and as a party, actually comes comes out of Italy, right? Comes out of Mussolini's fascist party. It's not attached to a particular. A particular ideology in fact there's nothing that says fascists have to be anti-gay or have to be anti-semitic fascism is like all about the spectacle for Mussolini's fascist party at first they weren't even like into the state and they like kind of identified as pretty leftist but they they were all about being uh sexy and mm. they were all about the symbolic and the spectacle and uniforms and like romance. And it's really like all they wanted was like hyper masculine, youthful ultra violence. And then the ideology kind of builds around that and it becomes like what is the easiest way to have like sexy, hyper masculine ultra violence with this incredible spectacle of like uniforms and all that stuff? Well, it's the military and the police and it's the state. And so God. 
so it becomes, you know, the the military parades and, you know, the military anthems and the military gangbangs, right? <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. There's a, a writer, Daniel Penny, who was writing about um, in the Boston Review, Milo Yiannopoulos. We like to call him uh, Milo Yogurt Cup uh, around, the, <laughs> around this house. Yeah. Milo, Milo Yogurt Cup over here. Yep. Milo Yiannopoulos is the, that was the first time I ever got uh, doxxed by neo-Nazis on the internet. Daniel Penny very succinctly states in this article that fascism aesthetics are its ideology. Right. So so it's kind of like an empty signifier. Wow. Oh, my God. Well, so anything empty is waiting to be filled. Truly, truly waiting to be filled. I mean, that's also why, you know, our our Soviet Kate Blanchett villain can also be a fascist. Right. Even though the Soviets right. are like communists, not national socialists <laughs> because totally. it doesn't matter like what their economics are or what their kind of like play-by-play policy beliefs are it's about the larger container of again spectacular ultraviolence right wow and control right it's all about control well, that's what i was that's what i was gonna say is when you're sort of describing this so-called ideal of sexy hypermasculinity and the way that it was then brought into the military like all i can think of is is control in the sense of this is not a group of people who are like hey we think that this is a fun and sexy way to be so we're gonna dress this way and we're gonna be attracted to people who are dressed this way and we have a little subculture they're like no this is what everyone needs to do in order for it to be valid. And right. so we need to figure out how to force everyone to do this because if everyone's not doing it, then we can't enjoy it. Right. And I mean, Hitler, remember that guy, positively described the project of propagandizing the masses as like rape. He was like, yeah, wow. you just got to like rape the people into compliance. Yeah. I Casual. mean, so. It's funny. I feel like a lot of the time, a lot of the time people are like, you you might be surprised that Hitler said this one thing that like, like he was a vegetarian and a painter, but you're just like here with all the Hitler quotes that are like on brand. Yeah, no, only on brand. But again, it's like, who the fuck cares that he liked dogs or was a vegetarian? Because it, it doesn't like it's not in it's not contradictory to his larger political hateful project in the same way that like, you know, and uh, uh, you know, we were talking earlier about how my algorithm is totally screwed up now. Cause I've been Googling all this stuff about like Nazi porn. <laughs> yeah. I, and you know, I ended up going down these like social media rabbit holes of these neo Nazis who are like really into like making their own yogurt. And you know, like <laughs> uh, they're like, <laughs> Oh my God, Milo yogurt cup. Yeah, right. Like, they, you know, they're really into, like, permaculture and, and like, mythology and metal, you know, like, like heavy metal. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, I like those like... things, too, I guess, but I don't like Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean. I'm not white like... supremacist. <laughs> we well, are not friends. Like fucking, like, don't tread on me libertarians. Right, exactly. It's like the... You know, just because you don't eat meat doesn't mean that you're not a fascist. Sorry, vegetarians. <laughs> Sorry, eco-fascists. Like, the swans may have come back, but people are still dying out here, okay? <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. That, like, not a um, joke. That was a serious statement. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, listen, we can laugh about serious oh things. Oh, my God, I know. Ugh. So you brought up a Hitler uh, accurately describing propaganda as mind rape uh-huh. and so th- this might be a good place to introduce the idea of consensual non-consent which we've discussed many times on the show we have a whole episode with andrea glick talking about it from last year and like the idea of rape fantasies and the irony of bdsm and the way that within fantasies we are turned on by very dark things that we would not actually want to do to people or have done to us sometimes things that we associate with fear or things that we would not want to have happen to us become eroticized in our fantasies and then 
for kinky people, like being able to live out those fantasies or create codes or cultures around those fantasies. There's a lot of use for that, getting off, finding like-minded people, compatibility, like all of those different things. But it makes me think about the joke that isn't really a joke about fascism, which is that it's like easier and simpler and more efficient than democracy. Mm -hmm. And that just makes me think about when I have consensual non-consent fantasies or when I like to do consensual non-consent play, I'm aware that a really big part of the appeal is the stripping away of my neuroses (laughs) and of like questioning things and being like, does this person really want me? Does this person really like me? Am I doing a good job? Like, is this the right thing to be doing in this moment when there is a fantasy of force or a negotiated agreed upon consensual exchange of force or power, then you kind of get to like experience this thing that is very clear and straightforward and simple and efficient and dare I say it, pure. Right. (laughs) And I, I feel like the larger political reality of fascism being that way and then the very personal element of like sort of sexual fascism if you will erotic fascism cutting to the core of desire there's got to be a connection there yeah and i mean we've we've talked about this in our conversations about about your project the the comic safe sex right where the one of the fundamental horrors of this dystopian world that you've created is that the things that you know people enjoy when they're consensual are horrific when they're not consensual right? totally <laughs> like, totally um, totally earlier today i was playing this game with myself called like sexy not sexy and <laughs> you know it's like turning someone into a mindless bimbo sex doll mm. as fantasy sexy, sexy actually giving someone a lobotomy and enslaving them not sexy right like it's pretty simple or even controlling someone and making them dress a certain way i don't know like jimmy stewart in vertigo style (laughs) since we're like talking so much about movies right like what jimmy stewart does to kim novak in vertigo is abusive behavior right but like in a fetish kinky scene like telling someone what to wear and how to behave in order to like match up to some ideal is like a really hot idea. But if you were actually doing that, it would be abusive. Yeah. These are also like my references are all only extreme. I'm like, you know, playing Borg, sexy, the actual Borg, (laughs) really scary. Yeah, no, actually being assimilated into a hive mind like is that's horrifying. But is a whole sub world of subs. Right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Twitter is full of drones, honestly. Like, go, f- like, if you are into drones, your your people are on Twitter. <laughs> it's, it's the whole thing. So one of the, like, kind of early pieces of writing about this is this essay from 1975 from the New York Review of Books by Susan Sontag, which is titled Fascinating Fascism. Love her. Friend of the pods. Friend of the pods, Susan Sontag. (laughs) In the first part, she's talking about fascist aesthetics through the work of Lenny Riefenshaw, the auteur of Triumph of the Will. Mm. And then in the second part of the essay, she's talking directly about the link between BDSM and, and Nazism through these like photo books of like uniforms, right? Just like sexy uniforms, shiny boots, shiny, mm. shiny, shiny boots of leather, right? Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, yes. And so, so she writes in the first part of this essay and not talking about sexuality, right? That fascist aesthetics flow from and justify a preoccupation with situations of control, submissive behavior, extravagant effort, and the endurance of pain. Come on. (laughs) I I also am wondering if you would like to let people know, you know, obviously you did a lot of this research yourself, but something delightful that you did (laughs) that is very on brand for this podcast is that you assigned this research to one of your submissives. Did you not? I did. I did. (laughs) I I didn't make him read anything, but I did make him find, he had to do the preliminary research for me. 
I, yeah. I that is that is so beautiful yeah. so beautiful um, um, thank you for your service okay yes, go on <laughs> so she goes on to say that uh the relations of domination and enslavement take the form of a characteristic pageantry the massing of groups of people the turning of people into things the hmm, multiplication or replication of things and the groupings of people and things around an all-powerful hypnotic leader figure or force Right. Oh God, Sontag. Yeah. So she talks about the glorification of surrender, mindlessness, and the glamorization of death. And so, you know, when we when we talk about political fascism versus fascist sexuality, right? Which again, I'm not I'm not saying those two things are are separate or opposite, but just like mm. to tease them apart a little, when we think about fascism in in our government and frankly, you know, the the rise of fascism around the world today, we do have to think about, again, that all-powerful hypnotic leader figure force and what appeal that has to us. But then, in in terms of, like, BDSM and, and Nazism, Sontag goes on to say, like, never before was the relation of master and slave so consciously aestheticized. And she's like, when, you know, like, when Marquise de Sade was writing, which actually, Salo, um, or 120 Days of Sodom, is based on Marquise de Sade, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, he had to make it all up from his imagination, right? Like, he he had to just, like, come up with this shit from his obsession with shit. But now, Sontag says, there's a master scenario available to everyone. Because of the Nazis. Thanks, Nazis, right? And she goes, the color is black. The material is leather. The seduction is beauty. The justification is honesty. The aim is ecstasy. The fantasy is death. God, I can't believe I've never read this essay before. It's good, right? Like, It's like, it's yeah, really the color is good. black and the material is leather. Like, <laughs> Thank you, Sontag. You've really elaborated everything I like. But it's about Nazis. Why? But also, I feel like the justification is honesty really embodies what I was saying before about like the appeal of the straightforward. Oh yeah. That there is no seduction in this kind of sexuality. There's no like playing hard to get. It's like, I'm in charge. You're surrendering. Now we're going to do whatever I want. Yeah. I mean, not, not to go back to the Borg as a example, (laughs) Yeah, like please. You know, like uh, there's a there's a whole plot line where the doctor on the starship Voyager is trying to teach Seven of Nine, this liberated ex Borg, how to date, and she's like, <laughs> she's like, romance is inefficient. I can just assimilate <laughs> you, and then and then we'll be on the same page, right? And that that is what it is. It's like this is inefficient. Like to try to convince everyone to get on the same page, to come to consensus, to consent to you know like be seduced or enticed like is really difficult and takes a long time and like might not work out whereas just being like this is what we're doing if you don't get with the picture we will hurt you or worse reject you yeah that's a a great way to get things done like democracy Uh, sucks for like yeah (laughs) democracy sucks and i had like a somatic response of what it is like to process a relationship into the ground and then still not get what you want especially for like leftists who may be into ethical sluttery and like making sure that we are like communicating openly and honestly about the blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, using I feel statements and everything like that. It's like, yeah, all of a sudden the appeal of like cutting through all of that to the heart of desire to getting the thing that you want. Right. But that's when a relationship becomes abusive, right? Or like that's, and I mean, even within the realm of fantasy, and this this really goes back to these, particularly like the sex and swastika movies, and also Mm. I think Salo to some extent, right? So like these films like could be turn-ons for a lot of people or a subs or even a small subset of people, even though they don't they don't depict. BDSM, uh, certainly not consensual or anything that like might be kind of like described as BDSM. They depict fictionalized, actual, horrific torture, right? Uh, sexual or otherwise. But they 
can be sexualized, you know, like just because you're jerking off to something doesn't mean that you're even going to try to like recreate it in your own fantasy. There's things that like exist purely in the realm of fantasy. Absolutely. And that's fine. <laughs> right. Like cutting off someone's tongue, for example. Right. Sometimes those of us who are inclined towards kinky scenarios can like strip mine 120 days of sallow for parts right like we can like take it as inspirational ideas but like that doesn't again like you can also do that from a horror movie like you were saying if sallow is essentially a political thriller (laughs) you know slash torture porn then like just like you could find something really hot in a serial killer movie which people plainly do taking these things that are designed to elicit extreme body reactions of fear and repulsion and incorporating them into your disgusting sexuality is like that's like what we're all about yes in the 60s when holocaust education became very widespread Mm. Um, particularly like in Germany and Israel and uh, to some extent in the United States. For a lot of young people being sort of like conscripted into viewing these concentration camp videos in educational settings would be the first time that a lot of these young people saw naked bodies. Right. So that's one thing. So thinking about the psychology of that, right? Yes. And so the other thing is the gender breakdown of the fascist pornography that was produced, particularly in the 60s and 70s. So on the one hand, you have all these Italian films and then like the there's a German film from 1961. That's really I have not been able to find it, but it's called Ordered to Love. Um, And so (laughs) almost all of these films In fact, I I think all of these films are about women being tortured by men. Um, Mm. And they tend to kind of center around, to a large extent, the real and not like glamorized, but sensationalized existence Mm. of brothels within concentration camps. And then also this, again, real but sensationalized program Uh, that the Nazis had called the Lebensborn program, which was a eugenicist forced breeding program where women, (laughs) German women who were deemed to be like racially pure were either forced or incentivized by the Nazi government to have children with SS officers who are also deemed to be racially pure in order Mm. to produce like a a generation of superior Germans who then would like, you know, lead the Reich in the future. Mm. So this like idea of like forced breeding, women being controlled or tortured by men is like very prevalent in Italian and German films. On the other hand, like Ilsa Shewoff of the SS comes out of the United States, actually. And then also around the same time, there's this whole genre in Israel called Stalag porn. And so, for example, there's a pornographic comic book called I Was Colonel Schultz's Private Bitch. (laughs) Probably the best name for a a comic book. Um, I mean, it does what it says on the tin, right? Yeah, yeah, truly. Apparently, there was a Hebrew University survey that said that this was actually like one of the top reading genres for Israeli boys in the 60s. They largely featured POW camps run by dominatrix-like SS women who had control over tormented male inmates, usually British or American soldiers. Often the plot of these like comics or books, which also is like basically the plot of Ilsa Shewoff of the SS, is these like scary dominatrix mommies who have like total control over their male and female inmates and like you know Ilsa for example very famously castrates the men that she sleeps with but then is like won over by the charms of this American inmate who uses her the fact that he's like irresistible to her to overcome her and like then take revenge upon her 
So right. switchy. Yeah. Yeah. But like, so there, there's this actual like really intense gender difference where like Americans and Israelis are like, their misogyny kind of like takes this like different turn. Yeah. They're, like it's all misogynist, certainly. <laughs> but, certainly. <laughs> but it has something to do with feminism and how men hate it. <laughs> That's also safe to say. Yeah. (laughs) Part of what comes up for me is the extreme ability of all of these scenarios to shock and upset pretty much anyone. So it's sort of like this very blunt instrument. Mm -hmm. When it comes to gender, I think that we can see a lot about what erotic scenarios get played out when it comes to these extreme illustrations of power like Mm -hmm. what do we want to see happen we want to see this castrating mommy officer but then we also want to see her getting flipped yeah and ilsa actually i mean she looks a lot like kate blanchett and crystal skull with the job purse and like the leather gloves no i i i think it's uh pretty intentional we haven't talked about gay nazis we haven't talked about punk um and we haven't talked about racism so and we haven't talked about like inglorious bastards like fantasies of defeating nazis so so much to talk about um i'm down to keep talking later if you are jb thank you so much for going to all of these pretty much the darkest places that there are to go during this time that we are all i don't know i'm personally living in fear of military state any day now but uh for now we are free to fuck the way that we want and to go running albeit with bandanas on our faces thank you for doing this with me remotely i am sure that we will get a chance to do something like this in person one day and then i'll get to see your face and hug you yeah it's my pleasure um i'm glad that all the runners are are at least joining the black block these days there's something extremely pleasurable about exploring all of this like fantasy horror yeah in in, like a reclamatory way right so like what does it mean that neo-nazis are not sexy anymore right they're all like right they're really gross and so yes we we anti-fascists get to wear the sexy leather boots now so (laughs) 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 haha i know fascists are so normcore now yeah so (laughs) maybe that's what i what i want to leave the the audience with (laughs) fascists are normcore they suck and you know lick all the boots that you want and that you can't your, yes, like for now, your own boots or the boots of those that you are so in your in your household. With, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, in the future, all the boots, all the boots. Yes, absolutely. And uh, just remind people where folks can find you on the internet. It's at JB Breger B R A G E R on basically everything: Twitter, Instagram, Patreon. And where can people find out more about Pinko the magazine? Pinko online. Amazing. Thanks, JB. Take care. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 